Hello and welcome to the Shock Your Potential podcast. I am your host, Michael Sherlock. Each one of us holds great potential, and tapping into that potential is my passion and my mission. Shock Your Potential is a global leadership training company dedicated to creating positive, productive, and profitable workplaces. We develop, nurture, train, and guide leaders at all levels and at all points in their career. Through this podcast, I get to interview amazing leaders who are shocking their own potential and the potential of those around them. Learn more about us today at shockyourpotential.com and shockyourpotentialpodcast.com. And don't forget to check out my two best-selling books, Tell Me More, How to Ask the Right Questions and Get the Most Out of Your Employees, and Sales Mixology, Why the Most Potent Sales and Customer Experiences Follow a Recipe for Success. Join us now as we meet another great guest. And don't forget, subscribe, rate, and like us today. Thank you for joining me on another episode of Shock Your Potential, where we are talking about all things entrepreneurship this episode. And my guest, and and I'm going to actually, believe me, I know my guests never know that I'm going to mess up their last name, but I don't think I'm going to do it this time because he really, he gave it to me phonetically. So it's Lance Growlick. So look, I'll never forget that. And if you guys read it in the show notes, good luck trying to figure out that pronunciation. He is the founder and CEO of Ion Franchising. And what he does with this is consulting with uh, business owners who maybe want to get into franchising. He works with over 500 franchise brands and he helps entrepreneurs find their perfect fit. I know a lot of people are very interested in franchising these days. So this is going to be great. But what I really want to get into on his bio is is this. Um, at one point, he was also a multi-unit, multi-state franchisee of both Wingstop, which I love, and this one, which I really, really love, which is Krispy Kreme. He has created countless startups and become, here's, this is the title like that I want for myself, the industry leading donut expert. I mean, how can you go wrong with that? And currently, he's a founder of the donut chain called Pink Box in Las Vegas. And his latest startup bakery project is with a Food Network store. I don't know if he's going to be able to dish on that or not. But joining me today, thank you, Lance. It's such a great honor to have you on the show. Awesome. So nice to be here. Thank you, Michael. I don't know how you get the title of leading donut expert, but I love it so much. It was uh, a title given to me after uh, several guys looked at me and said, you know, we need somebody for this Food Network star. He didn't know that you existed, but we knew. And you're the you're the world's best donut expert. So we need to help you to help him. And here I am. So. Oh, my God. I love it. That's so great. And you're like, yes, yes, I am. I I do love donuts. I don't try to eat them very often because that would be real big, big problem. And in Philadelphia, where I live, um, in Reading Terminal, there's this um, uh, donut place that is owned by the Amish. And every day there is there are people around the entire, you know, huge complex waiting for these donuts and watching them be made. And they've got, I don't even know how many different colors and types. And, you know, they've got Oreos on them and they've got Oreos in them and they've got fruity pebbles on them. And it's just, oh, donuts make me so happy. <laughs> exactly. Donuts are happy food. They're fun food. 
I agree. So tell us a little bit. I mean, I get the highlights, of course, the things that I like most in your background, but tell us a little bit about yourself, your business, and how you help people to shock their potential. So I grew up in New York. Uh, I grew up in a Wall Street family is what I always say. Dad was on Wall Street. He was an accountant first. His brother was on Wall Street. So I I always knew I was going to do something in business. I honestly thought I was going to be a CPA like dad was first. And then I realized as I hit college, I said, you know, this is not that exciting. I need a little more engagement and people action, so to speak. So I said, you know, dad, I'll, I'll work for you on Wall Street. So I did that throughout the summers. And I realized also then as I got out of college, this is a little too boring as well. I don't want to be sitting in an office at this stage of my young life in the concrete jungle known as New York City or the financial district, you know, Wall Street. And I said, you know, I had an uncle that was quite successful in tech before most people were. He knew I was bored. He called me and he said, hey, can you come out west, join me in Scottsdale, Arizona, and help me build a TGI Fridays franchise Mm. from virtually nothing? We're going to buy four stores and, and go from there. So that's what I did. But it was, you know, it's interesting as people ask my history, and I talk to people looking to looking at finding their own business and finding their perfect franchise is the best way in my opinion. And, you know, there's a whole nature versus nurture argument as to why do people want to be their own boss? Were they born that way or was there an environmental thing or occurrence, um, you know, an earthquake that took place that shocked them to, Mm. you know, to their potential? And I'd like to say, based on my grandfathers, who were both entrepreneurs, um, if I wasn't born that way, which I could have easily been, uh, I watched it my entire life growing up. And dad was a partner in a big Wall Street firm. So, um, you know, I knew right away I was never going to be working for somebody long term. It was kind of a means to an end. I needed to learn. You've heard a lot of people talk about, you know, sowing their wild oats and learning on their own and then becoming their own boss and, you know, build your foundation, which is what I did. And uh, after working with Uncle Steven for five years with TGI Fridays, we built that from nothing to 225 million a year, which in 89 was an incredible number. That's when a a TGI Fridays was $2 and 50 cents a beer, not during happy hour. And we were still doing 225 million. It was an incredible success at the time. Fridays, of course, has changed dramatically. Sadly, another time, another show, we'll talk about that and how do you, how you, how you are really built to last as opposed mm-hmm. to crumbling like they did. So um, yeah, so I love helping people. I've owned quite a few of my own businesses. I've been very successful. And I know you, I know you want to hear about the donut part, right? Yes. I do. So, I want to there's know. a lot of holes in this story, just so you know. Oh, oh Lance. Oh, I had to. I, I had to. <laughs> so I had a family friend that became the second franchisee of TGI, of TGI Fridays, of Krispy Kreme. And <laughs> that was way back when. They were the second franchisee of Krispy Kreme. Um, and I had another sort of relative, believe it or not, that was the first franchisee of Krispy Kreme in New York City. And they met. And once the gentleman acquired, my old partner acquired the rights to the state of Nevada and Utah, he was looking for an operator. Um, I was busy with other projects that I was very happy with, but I helped him. We got to know each other. 
And eventually, after he opened, um, he got rid of the person he originally hired, and I jumped in and expanded TGI Fridays to about $25 million within the two states selling donuts, selling sugar and water. I mean, Krispy Kreme. You just, you just said- I said TGI Fridays, Fridays again, didn't I? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you Fridays on the brain today. <laughs> so Krispy Kreme, uh, $25 million a year. It was a big franchise. Uh, we, were, we were doing well, and I loved the heck out of it. But you know, years later, after I was done with him and sold out and did incredibly well and built my dream house with my ex, unfortunately, um, <laughs> yeah. So uh, I had a gentleman call me. Uh, I had other projects in between, but I had another gentleman call me and say, you know, my family owns an Italian specialty foods company. I don't know much about the restaurant business, but I kind of feel like a gourmet donut shop in the suburbs of Las Vegas sounds like a good idea. And Pink Box Donuts was born. And I created that concept. He was my partner. And uh, I don't know, we were in the rated top 20 best donut shops in the nation. I think we got on Thrillist and various other publications. But I was very proud of our accomplishments, amazing Yelp reviews, did incredibly well, and built several of those. And once I retired from that, all these years later, I get another call from a gentleman that was on the board of Jamba. And he calls me and said, I know a gentleman that's a, a Food Network star. He's got a contract. His name's Chef Robert Teddy, big bushy beard. He yes. won Halloween Wars and uh, mm -hmm. very, he's all over, the, all over the map. Everybody knows him, it seems. And uh, Robert and I, to this day, are fast friends and I've helped him. And Wicked opened just about six, seven weeks ago, I think it was. And uh, as a matter of fact, I probably have to go in tomorrow and have a donut, have an apple fritter. <laughs> oh, and no. uh, yeah, so, you know, look, it, it, for me, I'm a self-taught chef. I love the hospitality business. I love the world of franchising. And uh, Chef Robert hopes to be able to franchise someday soon enough. So that's that's where we are today. I love it. Um, so many fun things in all those stories. Um, what I really love to, you know, when I talk to people about talking their potential, it's about, you know, learning from the experiences you have and, and growing with them. And so you, you kind of bounce from one to the next and, and continue to evolve. And I think that that's when, you know, real magic happens because, you know, you're like, oh, look now, and the, another door opens and another door opens. And before you know it, sometimes the path you had planned for yourself is completely different, but what a ride you'd never turn down. You know, and I advise people all the time, it's all about starting because so many people talk about doing things. Now, arguably, I might have jumped into things that I should not have, or maybe I stayed too long, if you know what I mean. Um, yeah. Because there's a creative nature to me. I love the creative process. My license plate is still creator to this day because mm -hmm. I like to create. I like to get busy. I like to launch, launch and scale. But the maintenance part is not me. I don't like maintaining. I feel like I feel a lot of people can maintain. That's not me. I'm mm -hmm. a grower. That's really important to know because, you know, there's certain things that, especially for entrepreneurs, that you better be honest with what your, not only your capabilities are, but where your desires are because you're absolutely right. You know, I know because I've been in sales my whole career, 
I love going after, you know, I, I love the chase of a, of a new training program. I love the chase of a new, uh, you know, speaking gig. I love those things. And not that I don't enjoy, you know, uh, uh, fulfilling them because I do as well, but it's always that sense of chase, chase. I love the chase. There's, there's a lot of adrenaline in that. Now, when it gets down to running my business and doing like the finances, I hate that part. <laughs> that's, that's not, Absolutely. That's not I never wanted to do anything, any duty or have a role that anybody else can do. I want the advisory role. I do not mind getting my hands dirty. Everybody knows. I mean, at, at, at Wicked Donuts, the recent project, I still got in there early in the morning and showed them how to clean the fryer on my hands and knees, showing them how to do it. I do know how to do everything. I get involved in every aspect, but long-term, you can hire better people for that. Yeah, absolutely. And it reminds me as you were talking about that, um, I have a uh, now a great connection, Max Brenner, and he started Max Brenner's Chocolates. Yes, um, yes. He's on he's on a new path now. So he's he sold that you know company, and now he has a new chocolate company. And we were talking one day, and he said, you know, the thing is, I want to create just like you. I love to create. I'm creating chocolate experiences. I'm creating chocolate stories. Yeah. But I need people to make sure, you know, that that they know that we need a refrigerator that keeps our chocolate at whatever temperature. And he goes, I don't I don't want to be responsible for picking out right. the refrigerator. I just don't care. Like, I know it's important. I want somebody else to deal with that because I want to keep my energy focused on creating new chocolate stories. I love it. That's it. That's exactly yeah. it. It's, it's just like a football team. There's a quarterback. There's a there's a punter. There are big burly linemen that are doing certain things. There, everybody's got a role. Yeah. Well, and I know you. One of the things that you do is you help people figure out, you know, what franchise they want for their dream, which I think is incredible. My um, one of my brothers uh, owned Great Clips, uh, three three locations for years, and he it. learned process. And I know that just in the last year and a half, he finally sold them all, you know, kind of completed that journey, you know, that, that chapter in his life. And I, I remember asking him, I'm like, cause I mean, he and his wife were shopping around for all kinds of franchises and you could have blown me away when that was what he came up with. Like he spent his whole, you know, career in the food industry. I have to add, I have to add to that. It's so funny because just this morning I was talking to a gentleman that came to me through a referral, through a friend of mine. And I told him a great clip story I have about a friend of mine who owns, well, number 20 is under construction, great clips. Mm -hmm. And he's a banker that had no hair and probably <laughs> hasn't needed a haircut in 30 years. And, <laughs> you know, because as you can imagine, Michael, people call me and some people know exactly, or they think they know exactly what they want. And that's wonderful. But a lot of times they don't. And, you know, in this case, he didn't know he wanted a franchised hair salon. In <laughs> fact, in fact, he laughed when somebody proposed that to him. And he's like, are you nuts? Why would I do that? Why do you even think I would care about that? I'm not even a customer. Yeah. I can't even be a customer. But he did incredibly well. The amount, I mean, what he's doing at Great Clips is phenomenal. And it's, it's look, there's a profit path that I take people through. And there's a whole validation stage to the selection process for buying a franchise. So it cuts down dramatically. And in some cases can practically eliminate the risk factor. It just mm -hmm. depends what you wanna get involved with. And, and, and look, my favorite expression, clarity 
is currency. So if I can get if I can get clear on understanding what your goals are, how important is ROI? Because sometimes when people get involved in a restaurant, you're not getting your money back in until maybe five years. But Absolutely. you get involved in a great clips, which today is probably 155,000 or so to open. You know, you might make 70 a year, you might make 80. So you could get your money back in two years. That's fantastic. And, and once you get involved in multiples, it's an incredible income. And the exit strategy, when you get involved in franchising, you can easily sell for four times cash flow. Yeah. Which is which is another, you know, another one of the many reasons. But it's funny you mentioned great clips. It is. And I remember asking him, you know, like, you know, did, are you glad you did it? And and I know there were times he had a lot of headaches because he had them in kind of a smaller community. And so he had problems keeping, um, you know, keeping staff just because, you know, if they got, you know, 50 cents an hour or somewhere else, they were gone. But finally he hit his rhythm. But you know, what I thought was really interesting is um, like with great clips, they would have this annual, uh, you know, like by um, gift certificates. Yeah. And, um, and so he said, you know, all of his fellow owners all poo-pooed it. They didn't want to do it. They're like, I don't want to honor somebody else's gift certificate if somebody comes in or, you know, that's just too much work. Well, he really focused on it and he incentivized his team to sell them. And it was a, you know, brilliant strategy. It worked out incredibly well for him. And I remember he said, he goes, you know, I don't think enough people listen to the people who are trying to teach you how to maximize the money in your franchise. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> well, and that's the beauty of a franchise is there are people whose job is to stay up at night and figure out a way for franchisees to make even more money. Yes. And they're, they're working for you trying to make more money because why do you think that is? Because they get a piece of the action. Yes, absolutely. They're, so why not? Yeah, why not take advantage of the people who want you to make more money because they make more money too? <laughs> Absolutely true. And, and gift certificates or now gift cards are a wonderful way. Historically, there are so many people that don't redeem them. <laughs> exactly. And every time even 10 cents is left on it, it's 10 more cents you had in your pocket than before. That's it. <laughs> Lance, I'd love to ask people about, you know, the, the lessons that they've learned in life. So, you know, when you think about your whole professional career from Wall Street to where you are, what's the most important professional lesson you learned that helped you to shock your potential? You know, I always knew I was a business major and I was I got my economics degree and I always knew that capital cash is king. So when you're starting a business, most businesses get in trouble because of capital. They just don't have enough. They run out of money. And there are many stories about that. You know, people were so close and they just they just ran out of money. And, you know, what the biggest lesson that I learned, and my mother just reminded me of this, although I've been very successful and I've been a top franchisee and I've been president of franchise advisory councils and because of my knowledge and my experiences, I get to help private equity groups uh, with the restaurant space as well. However, if I had to do it over again, the biggest lesson I learned is I should have had more of my own capital. I went to partnerships too quickly. And for other people, it works. I mean, you know, Mark Zuckerberg didn't have his own money coming out of college when he's starting Facebook, but starting a tech company is a little bit easier in that 
you're not, you know, for each of my wing stops, as an example, it's, you know, about $400,000 to open. And I did multiple. So I had a partner back out too early, you know, very early in the process after I had already signed my development agreement. And, you know, so, so putting that money together was incredibly tough. And then I got stuck with partners that I probably should have never partnered with, like Mm -hmm. a bad marriage. And, you know, so my mother reminded me, you know, if you stayed on Wall Street just long enough and and made even more money with dad over there or the company, you would have been so much better off. And I and I said to her, you're right. You're right. I wouldn't have enjoyed it, but it's a means to an end. Well, and I think, yeah, I mean, that's important to remember that we don't always enjoy all the things that we have to do to get to the next level. You know, exactly. You know, constantly talking to people about their career, and they're like, "Well, I just don't. You know, I just am not fulfilled anymore in this position, whatever it is." And I'm like, "Do you need to stay in it a little bit to have more than six months on your resume? Because I think you better stick it out." (laughs) Well, that's that's exactly right. And and I was always impatient. I'm still impatient. You know, but that's just the nature of, like you said earlier, you have to recognize your strengths and weaknesses. And there are some things I'm very good at. I just happen to be very impatient. I love it. Very good honesty. So now here's my fun question where, you know, it's a little magic time machine. So if you could go back in time and talk to the younger lands and tell them anything that would have shocked his potential farther or faster or kept him on the same path, other than what you just told me about, you know, work for your dad longer, make more money. When would you go back to him and what would you tell him specifically? Well, that would have been it. I would have gone back to him and said, stay working for dad. We know you don't love it. We love, we know you love dad, but it was the company in general. So that really is the answer. I would have gone back in time and stuck it out. Um, But, you know, along with that, um, I probably would have stayed in New York longer as well because there was some other things I could have, uh, done at that stage of my life and uh, spent more time with my folks. Fortunately, my dad just passed several months ago and kind of started thinking about that exact point. You know, I probably left New York way too early because I've been out West. I live in Vegas now. I've been out West for 25 years already or more. Mm -hmm. Long time, (laughs) a long time. That's amazing because you're only 35. (laughs) That's exactly right. 54 next month. Excellent. Well, I know we'll have all of your contact information on our show notes, but just in case somebody wants to look you up right now, because they're like, I'm ready to buy a franchise and I need to talk to Lance. What's the best way for them to find you? Ionfranchising.com. Ionfranchising.com. And look, I'm free. I tell everybody, people laugh all the time. I am free. I represent more franchise brands than anybody in the United States. And I will find you your perfect franchise. I love it. Great tagline. So before we be, before we go, I can't even talk. Before we leave, do you have any last words of wisdom or pearls of advice for my listeners and viewers? So franchising is truly modeling success. I believe it was Tony Robbins that originally started saying that. Model success. That is what franchising is. There is a clear path to success in franchising when you investigate the right franchises for you which I will make sure you do. So give me a shout. And But the, the best advice always is start. There are so many people that do not 
start and work on the rest of their life, so to speak. If you're not happy, do something about it. Don't talk about it for 20 years. Time goes by quickly. There is a first step, and there's an old expression I love from one of my mentors, resource up. I am your resource, and give me a shout. I love it, Lance. Thank you so much. Incredibly valuable information. And I know a lot of people right now are considering what's the next step for them in this crazy world. And I think it's definitely a good option. Timing is still perfect, believe it or not. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Shock Your Potential. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and like our podcast. And for more information, find us at shockyourpotential.com and shockyourpotentialpodcast.com.